God is good, isn't he? That's right. And he is real, and he wants to show you his goodness today. Chris and I believe with all our hearts that God wants to show his goodness to you today. Everyone who's watching and connected online, everyone worshiping through our broadcast ministry, everyone at our Atascacita campus with Daniel over there, you guys are amazing. Everyone here at the Woodlands campus, I believe with all my heart, God wants to show his goodness to you today, to show you that he's real and he cares about you. So let's just thank him. Dear God, we thank you that you love us. Lord, you know every detail that's going on in our lives. You know the stresses and the problems and the burdens that we carry, that we carried in here today. And I thank you, Lord, that you care so deeply, that you want to show goodness to us. You want to meet our needs. So, Lord, we look to you and know that you're the one that can do that. Just make yourself so real to each and every one of us today. So when we leave this place, we'll be so grateful for what you've done, that we'll know you're real, that you carry our burdens and carry us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. I heard about a burglar who had been casing out a neighborhood in the summer, and he noticed a house where a family had left for vacation. So late that night, he broke in through the front door and he walked into a completely dark entryway. And when he stepped in, he was immediately startled by a voice in the dark that said, I see you and Jesus does too. He about jumped out of his skin and then he pointed his flashlight at where the voice came from and he saw it was a parrot in a cage. And the burglar just laughed in relief as the parrot again said, I see you, and Jesus does too. But then he heard a deep growl, and he shined his flashlight right in front of him, and there stood the biggest Doberman you've ever seen, just snarling, showing his razor-sharp teeth. The burglar just stood there in shock as the parrot said, Attack, Jesus, attack! Well, Jesus fortunately doesn't attack us, but he does at times attack our comfort zone. He takes away our comfort zone and pushes us into our calling. See, he loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay that way. And that's why we're starting this new series we're calling Now or Never. It's all about how to make the positive changes that you've always wanted to make, that you always have good intentions to make, but it seems that you never make. And we all have those things in our lives that God wants us to break free from and break into something new that's powerful and positive in our lives. What about you? Have you ever felt like, well, I know the kind of person I want to be. I want to be patient with my kids and my husband. I want to be disciplined to exercise and eat right. I want to be joyful and kind and not irritable and angry. But then somehow every day by noon, I just seem to blow it. Have you ever felt like that? That's because our habits form deep ruts in our brains. We're pre-programmed to keep reverting back to our same old ways. It reminds me of a situation that Carrie and I encountered when we went to an Airbnb recently. We went there for a quick getaway and right before we went to bed, I turned the thermostat down because we like it to be a little colder when we sleep. A couple hours later, we woke up sweating. 
And I went to the thermostat, and it was back on the same temperature it had been on before we went to bed. So half asleep, I turned it down again. Two hours later, the same thing happened. And that's when I realized that the owner of the Airbnb had programmed the thermostat to stay at a higher temperature at night to save money. Now, I could try all I wanted all night long to change it, but unless the thermostat was reprogrammed, it would just keep reverting back to what it had been set to. And that's the way it is when we try to make powerful, positive changes in our lives. If we want to make changes that last more than half a day, then we have to change the setting in our brains. You have to reset your mindset. We all have to do that. Reset our whole mindset. And the Bible's really clear about this. To change the way you act, you have to first change the way that you think. I want us to look at a great example of this in the Bible that shows you have to change your mindset before you can change your actions. It's in Joshua chapter one. Now, let me give you a little background on this passage. The people of Israel had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Then God uses Moses to lead them out of slavery and into the promised land. Well, they're right on the edge of the promised land, and they send in 12 of the leaders to go into the land and bring back a report. And they come back and they say, it's an amazing place. It's the most wonderful place that we've ever been. But 10 of the leaders say, but we can't go in there. There are great warriors in the land, and we're just not strong enough to conquer them. And after hearing this report, the Israelites just shudder in fear, and they agree with the 10. Only two of the leaders had spied out the promised land. Joshua and Caleb said, sure, there are warriors in the land, but with God's power, we can conquer them. But the rest of the Israelites were already stuck in the mindset that there was no way they could enter the promised land. They were no longer slaves in Egypt. They were now free. They were in a new location. They were in a whole new place, but they still had the same old mindset. You see, the place had changed, but their programming hadn't. It was still set to a slavery mindset back in Egypt. They were still programmed to the painful past. They had a mentality that said, we're just little pawns in the great game of life and you can't expect us to do anything great, we'll just fail. But they weren't slaves anymore, they were free. God had freed them and led them through the Red Sea and to the doorstep of the promised land. Everything in their circumstances had changed, but their mindset was still the same. And you can't change the way you act until you change the way you think. You have to change your programming so that you can enter your promised land. Well, God sent them back into the desert to wander around for 40 years to reset their mindset. But they were so stuck in a slavery mindset that the whole generation had to die in the desert so a new generation would come up that had a different mindset that was more focused on God's power than their problems. And that's where we pick up the story. Joshua, who 40 years before had a God mindset, is now the leader of Israel. And they're back at the promised land. And this time, everything is different because their mindset is different. They're ready for real change. So would you stand in honor of God's word? And we'll start with Joshua 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River 
into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. You can be seated. Now, I want you to focus in on that phrase where God says to Joshua, the time has come for you. God was saying, Joshua, this is your time. This is your defining moment. The time has come for you to walk out of the desert and into your destiny. The time has come for you to step up and lead the people to step in to the promised land. Joshua, this is your time. And I believe God is saying to you today, this is your time. This is your moment. The time has come for you to walk out of the desert into your destiny. The time has come for you to stop wasting your one and only life and start becoming who God made you to be. The time has come for you to stop living a life filled with activity and busyness and step into a life filled with purpose. The time has come for you to stop focusing on your failures and start building a life of faith. The time has come for you to let go of the hurts you've been holding on to and let God start healing you. The time has come for you to stop playing God and finally surrender to God's power. The time has come for you to change. It's time to change. It's time for me to change. This is your time. This is your day. This is your moment. If not now, then when? It's now or never. Maybe you feel like you've been wandering in the wilderness for the last year or the last few months or for the last 40 years. I want you to know the time has come for you to step into your promised land and experience real and lasting change. And that's what this series is all about. But there are three things as we introduce the series, and then we're going to really get into the practical things next week of these steps of change that we all have to take over and over again. But there are three things we want to point out today that you need to do to start the change that you need to make. On the Greek Isle of Santorini, at the very tip of it, lies the excavated ruins of this once thriving city called Akrotiri. Akrotiri was abandoned about 3,500 years ago because there'd been an earthquake and a giant volcanic eruption. Now, the Minoans had inhabited that area starting 6,500 years ago, and they'd built a thriving society that lasted for 3,000 years in that very spot until it was destroyed in the 16th century before Christ. Now, it's only over the last 50 years or so that this city buried in volcanic ash has been revealed. And it is incredible. Because after all this time, the beautiful buildings and detailed wall frescoes and the ornate pottery still speak to the high level of organization of ancient Akrotiri. Their plumbing system even had second and third story toilets. And this place was amazing. But archaeologists were the most surprised by what they didn't find at Akrotiri. Because what they didn't find were human remains. There are no human remains, no precious metals, no coins, no weapons. And why? 
Well, because the people of Akrotiri evacuated before the volcano erupted. They had all left. Despite all that they already had in this beautiful, comfortable city, despite the fact that for thousands of years, nothing had happened, even though they always had lived in the shadow of a volcano, they decided that this nearby volcano's eruption was imminent, and they decided as a people to move on, every last one of them. They accepted that the season of Akrotiri had ended, and they moved on for good. They never returned to attempt to rebuild on the ruins. Their new lives were built elsewhere. Now, doing something new always takes a lot more effort than staying the same and doing nothing. It's always a lot easier for us to stay in the same place, even if we feel like we should change, even if it looks like uh, there's some, things cannot stay this way. I've got to change somehow. I can't keep going like this. Still, we think, okay, I have some issues, but I have some bad habits, but I'm going to stay here because at least they're familiar. At least I'm comfortable in the sense that I understand what my habits are. I know what to expect out of myself. It's awfully tempting to keep trying to just patch up old broken ways, hoping that one day the changes will stick. One day this attempt we keep making the change, someday we're just going to get it right and it's going to stick. And it's time to see the thing that we've been pretending not to see. We can't fix ourselves. I mean, I've tried, you've tried. We simply can't fix ourselves. But the good news is that the Bible tells us how to do it. It says to change your mindset with God's promises. That's the first thing we need to do is change our mindset. Here's the simple yet profound way to change our mindset. Change our autopilot. It's instead of focusing on ourselves and focusing on our own weaknesses and shortcomings, to make the choice to focus on God and his abilities. We see the principle in action with the Israelites. The Israelites are back knocking on destiny's door and they're right there at the promised land. They're at the same place they were at 40 years ago. But now, even though those same giant warriors are in the land, everything has changed. From the outside, it looks like they're in the exact same situation, same group of people standing there, the Israelites standing right there at the edge of the promised land. This time, though, they're focusing on God's promises. They're focusing on God's strength. They're focusing on what he can do instead of their own strength, instead of focusing on, I'm weak, I'll never be able to take care of these giants. These warriors are stronger than us. They say, okay, God, I'm going to focus on what you told me to do, what you say to do. And they move forward. God had promised them this land. He said, I give you this land. It's yours. This is your destiny. And this time, instead of focusing on those giants, they're focusing on God. And that changed absolutely everything. They changed their autopilot. And it all comes down to what you focus on. You will either dwell on God's promises or on your own past. I mean, think about those Israelites in the desert. They'd wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Can you imagine how many regrets they had? Think about all the wasted time, all the wasted opportunities. But they didn't focus on those regrets. They finally stopped, and they were ready to step into a better future. And a lot of times we get stuck in the past, and we focus on our past regrets, our past failures, our past shame. Hey, all of us have them. 
You may think that the people sitting around you probably have their lives together, but secretly you know that you don't. Well, guess what? We all have our past regrets, our past failures, our past shame, and we can choose to focus on that. But the amazing thing is that when you start dwelling on God's promises, and there are over 7,000 of them in the Bible, it will actually change your brain. All the new brain science shows that you can actually reprogram your brain by changing what you think about. Science is finally catching up to what the Bible has always told us. Scientists have proven that chemical changes take place in our brains, physiological changes, synapses reconnect in different ways depending on what we're focused on. You actually change the physiology of your brain when you choose to focus on something new, when you choose to focus on God's promises rather than your own problems or your own past, it changes your brain. It changes the way you think, which changes the way you act. In Romans 12, verse 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So I'm really excited because what we're going to do during this series is together we are going to focus on God's promises. We're going to reprogram our brains. It's a choice we make, a choice to focus on what God says instead of what we think about ourselves. And every day, starting tomorrow, we're going to have an online video devotional um, focusing every day on a new one of God's promises. And so um, wherever you want to reach us, on whatever platform, all the social media platforms, you can tune in for five or ten minutes. It'll be available all day long, but just jump on. And together, we're going to focus on God's promises. Just spend five or ten minutes a day reprogramming our minds. Um, I like to do it in the morning because then I can have that with me all day long and keep reminding myself The next verse I want you to look at is this passage where God spoke to Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, it says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So God told Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous because God knew that Joshua was weak and fearful. God said it three times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Joshua was filled with strength and courage to lead the people into their destiny because he chose to focus on God's ability, what God told him to do, what God said he was, rather than focusing on his own inability. There's a huge sign that lets us know if our autopilot hasn't changed. And that's the sin that the children of Israel reverted back to over and over again. God called it the sin of unbelief. We call it complaining. Complaining, not believing that God can do what he says he can do. The people of Israel, once they were set free and they were in the wilderness, the promised land, they started complaining. God provided them with food and guidance and protection. But every time God answered their cries, the Israelites found something new to complain about. Gee, that reminds me of myself. I will pray and God will answer my prayer, but it's like, wait, oh, but wait, there's something else wrong. Let me tell you about this one. See, God called it the sin of unbelief, and that's what it is. It just means that our autopilot hasn't changed, and we're still relying on ourselves. 
Whenever I'm complaining about my circumstances or blaming someone else, I'm really blaming God because he is the one who's ultimately in control. So what I'm saying is, God, you're not doing a good job. You're just not doing a good job. You don't know what you're doing. Now, it's okay to go to God and say, God, I don't like this. I don't understand it. In fact, that's what David did over and over in the Psalms. He's very honest with God, and there's, that's what we can do. We don't need to hide or pretend with God. We don't need to speak in a way with these and thous that we don't normally speak in. We can come to him as a child to our father and just say, this hurts. This is hard. We can pour our hearts out to God. But when we learn to go to God with our troubles, to talk to him instead of just complaining to others— it's a mark of spiritual maturity. It means, hey, you're growing spiritually. It means that you understand that complaining and whining are actually very annoying and really useless. And instead, we make the right decision, which is to bring our troubles to the one who has the power to help us. I used to think spiritual maturity came with age. So I'd see people who are older and seem to always be calm and just handle things well. And I thought, wow, can't wait till I'm that age um, and that's spiritually mature. Surprise. As I've gotten older, I have discovered something. And that is that spiritual maturity doesn't come with age. It comes with practice. It just comes with practice. Learning multiplication tables or learning to drive a car or learning to speak a new language. Whenever we learn something as humans, we learn something new. It's harder at first. But the more we do it, the easier it gets, the more automatic it gets, until eventually you're riding a bike and you're not even thinking about how do I balance. It just comes naturally. This is just what you do. And it's the same way when we spend time with God. We make the effort to learn what he says in his word and then make the choice to obey him, whether we feel like it or not. The more automatic it comes, the more we practice. Our brains will be reformed, like reformed by God's promises. Chris and I are really excited about this devotional. It starts tomorrow morning, this now or never devotional. Those promises are crucial to reprogramming your mind, which changes your action. And so join us tomorrow morning. We've got a great promise for you tomorrow morning. It's going to make a huge difference in your life. Now, first, we have to change our mindset, but then you have to change your direction and claim what God has given you. You change your mindset, but then you have to take a step of faith. You have to step in a new direction. In Joshua 1.3, God says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. So God says to the Israelites, I've already given you the promised land. It's yours. And the Israelites are thinking, that's great, God, that you've given us the promised land, but did you tell the giant warriors in the land that it's ours? Because I don't think so. And God says, they're no big deal. If you'll just take a step of faith into the promised land and stake your claim, I'll win the victory for you. Wherever you set your foot, it's yours. But you have to step out of the desert into the new land. You have to take, take steps in a new direction. And that's what God says to us today. God has already given you his peace. God has already given you his purpose. God has already given you freedom from that sinful addiction and that habit that's destroying you. You say, well, Carrie, then why am I not experiencing that? 
because you haven't taken the step of faith to stake your claim. You haven't moved out of willpower into God's power. And God says, I've given you everything that you need, but you have to take it now. It's yours. But you don't take it by willpower. You take it by a step of faith, one step at a time. And when you take that step of faith, God opens a door. When you take another step of faith, God gives you his strength. You take another little step of faith, and God gives you his great power. Every step continues to change your programming and reset your mindset. You reset your mindset, like Chris says, by focusing on God's promises. It changes your brain. But then as you take steps, it continues to reprogram your mindset. But if you stop taking steps of faith, you will revert back to your old programming. The Israelites step into the promised land and they come to the great city of Jericho with this great wall and they were filled with fear and they knew that they desperately needed God to give them the victory. And they trusted God and God gave them a great victory. But did you know the next place they came was this little town of Ai, spelled A-I. It was just a small little country village. There were no walls. The Israelites had no fears or worries because they thought they didn't need God for this one. And they reverted back to their old programming without God, and they lost the battle. God allowed them to fail miserably, and that failure reminded them of how much they needed God. And one of the greatest gifts God will ever give you is the gift of failure. That's right, I said a gift. Failure is one of the greatest gifts God will ever give you because our failures finally bring us to the place where we turn to the God who never fails. And God will allow you in his goodness to fail so you can find victory in him. I want you to look at this next passage in Joshua 1.5. God says this to Joshua. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. God will never fail you. There'll be times that you fail, but he will never fail you. He loves you. And when you fail, he'll lift you back up if you let him. And that's the secret to growth, turning back to him when you fail and taking the next step in his grace. You have to change your programming with God's promises. Then you have to change your direction one step of faith at a time to claim what God has already given you. And then thirdly, you have to go through the river of surrender. You never get to the promised land without going through the river of surrender. You'll never change without taking a step into the river of surrender. You see, the only thing separating the Israelites from the wilderness and the promised land was the Jordan River. The problem was the Jordan River was at flood stage at that time of the year. And if they tried to get hundreds of thousands of people across the Jordan River at flood stage and into the promised land, most of them were going to drown. But God said, Joshua, I want you to cross over. The time has come for you. The time is now. It may not look like the right time. It may not look like the best time, but it's now or never. This is your moment that changes everything. And it did because... When Joshua obeyed God, God raised him up in the eyes of the people, and they saw, wow, this guy follows God. We're going to follow him. It changed everything. Joshua knew it would be a miracle. 
it would have to take a miracle. It was a barrier that they had never crossed. It was a river that the people of Israel had never gone through. So what is the river that's keeping you from your destiny? Is it a river of shame? Is it a river of shame from all your past failures and sins? Don't run from that river. You have to run into the river. You've got to face that shame and experience God's river of forgiveness, washing away your sins. Don't run from that river of shame. Run right into it and say, yes, God, I feel this shame. God, I've made so many mistakes and sins, and I need your forgiveness. And God will turn the river of shame into the river of grace. But if you run from the river of shame, it's a flight from God's grace. Maybe it's a river of resentment because of how you've been hurt so deeply and you've been running from that river. But when you run from the river of resentment, it just takes hold of your whole life. You gotta run into the river of resentment and go, God, it hurts so deeply. I don't get it. I don't feel like forgiving. I don't understand why you allowed that, but I run to the river and choose to forgive. And when you run into the river, God turns the river of resentment into a river of healing. Don't run from your river. Step into the river and surrender. It's a river of surrender where you just go, God, I give it up to you. God, I'm tired of willpower. I'm not God, I need your power. And you step into that river of surrender, totally surrender to God as you stop trying to play God and you stop trying to control everything that you can't control and you feel the river of healing flow through your life. Hey, it's a paradox of life that you have to admit your powerlessness to experience God's power. It's amazing. And next weekend, we're gonna talk about that. And really the big step one to change It's admitting your powerlessness so you can experience God's great power. Now, I love this passage in Joshua chapter three, verse 15, because this is what happens when they walk into the river of surrender. It says right here, now the Jordan's at flood stage all during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Did you get that? that they had to get their feet wet before the river parted. That's pretty amazing to me. That's the way God works. It's almost always the way God works. He says, you gotta step into the river, get your feet wet, and then I'll do the miracle. You gotta take that step. And it's like, God, if you'll do the miracle and I see that you've done the miracle, then I'll believe you and I'll take a step of faith. And God says, without faith, it's impossible to please me. You gotta take that step. And you take that step and I'll work the miracle. So what is that step that God is telling you to take? That step, and maybe it's a step of spending time with him each and every day. Maybe it's the step of joining the church and the membership classes coming up and you need to connect to a church family. Maybe it's the step of getting into a life group with some other people going through what you're going through and at the same life stage and it feels a little awkward getting to know some new people and They feel awkward getting to know you. That's the thing you need to remember. 
They're thinking, huh, I wonder if these guys are crazy. While you're thinking, I wonder if those guys are crazy. But you get together and you realize you're all crazy and you're all messed up and it's awesome. You ought to connect to a life group. What is the next step for you? Is it being baptized to show that you're a believer? Is it starting to tithe and trust God that his promises are true, that he's gonna give back to you more? You gotta step out first, get your feet wet, and then God works the miracle. It always amazes me that he sent the priest first. Now, I would say send the music team first. <laughs> but it says send the priest first, you know? And so, and we as pastors, we have to be the first ones to step out in faith. Whenever we ask you to do something, then we've gotta do it first. And step out in faith first. And God worked the miracle. Growing up, I didn't go to church. I thought I was basically a good kid. I got pretty good grades. I obeyed my parents for the most part. I was pretty responsible, had a job. But then one day, when I was in high school, a friend invited me to come spend the night at her house. And I did, and in the morning, her mom came in and woke us up and said, okay, girls, get ready, it's time to go. And I said, hey, where are we going? <laughs> she said, oh, it's Sunday, we're going to church. And, Whoa, all right. I'd always kind of wondered what went on inside those buildings anyway, so I thought this would be pretty interesting. <laughs> and so I went. And on that day, for the first time, I learned that I had a creator I wasn't just existing, I'd been created on purpose. And I learned that this God had a name and he was pursuing me, like personally. He loved me, he wanted me. And I heard that I was a sinner, which just put a name to what I always knew to be true, that I didn't always do what I was supposed to do, that I couldn't fix myself. and. I heard that this God who loved me so much had given his son to be my savior, to save me. And that all I had to do was to trust him, to trust Jesus and pursue him back with my life. Well, everything I heard resonated deeply within me. It all made sense like a lightning bolt. It was my personal before Christ, after Christ, intersection of my life, the BCAD moment of my life. And that day, I told God that I accept the gift. I accept it. I want the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, to come and live inside me. I, it makes sense. I want um, Jesus to be my Lord. And from now on, I'm going to follow you. Now, this was not a decision I was making about religion. It never even occurred to me to make a decision about religion. It was a decision that had a global impact on my life because suddenly I saw that, wow, instead of just existing in my own little world, I'm part of something way bigger and that God loves me, wants a relationship with me, and he has a hold on my life. It changed everything. It's the one decision that affected all the other decisions in my life. And immediately, there are, there are ramifications, effects in every part of my life because I realized that all of a sudden what I should do wasn't just what I thought in the moment might be good or what my parents might say I should do, but it's what God said I should do. And I should start reading this book they called the Bible. Sure, I knew it. I'd seen Bibles around, but I'd never opened one. 
It meant that, wow, my friends, this has an impact on the friends that I have. All of a sudden, I needed to check my circle and see who was in it. Because even in high school, you already know that the people you hang around are going to be the people that you become like. And all of a sudden, it changed the qualifications for dating. I mean, nobody had to tell me this. I just realized, again, you don't have to be, if you're old enough to date, you're old enough to intuitively know that the person you marry will come from the subset of people you date. And if you don't want to marry a loser, you should probably not date them. And this stuff, it wasn't like, oh, I had to dig in so far. Eventually, I wanted to dig into all these deep, deep spiritual truths in the Bible, but there were so many things that were immediately apparent. I realized that in conversations, I should be looking for opportunities to talk about God and let other people who didn't know in the way that I didn't know. I didn't grow up in the boondocks somewhere. I grew up about 20 miles from here. And we all assume that, oh, everybody's heard this story before. Let me tell you, everybody hasn't. Yeah, sure, everybody's seen Christmas trees. Everybody's maybe you know, had an Easter basket. But to know that there's a God who loves you, this is revolutionary. All of a sudden, my time wasn't mine to waste. Because I'd been bought with a price, like an unimaginable price. And I was accountable for that. Christ changed everything about my life. Now, I have shared this with people before, and they've said, wow, you had it really great to not grow up in church because you were able to all of a sudden see this incredible difference that Jesus can make in your life. And of course, as a parent, we've raised our children in church. That's what I wanted. And here's what I've come to. There's no bad way to come to Christ. Just come. It doesn't matter what your background is. It's a personal decision. It's not a decision your parents can make for you. It's your own. As long as you make the choice, because the Bible tells us that someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what matters is that we, we make the, the choice, that we choose it while we can. Well, it's our decision to make. And I realized that this world and my family doesn't need a better version of me, the best version of me I can come up with. What this world needs, what my family needs, they need to see Jesus. All of a sudden, everything in my life became about that. And if Christ has changed you, people should notice. I realized, wow, if this is such a big difference, I mean, People should notice. My friends should notice. My parents should notice. My family. I'm supposed to be light and salt. That's really different. That's something that stands out. And regarding this thinking that, oh, we just want to fit in as much as we can here, the Bible tells us this. In Acts 17, verse 30, it says, God overlooks it, this wrong thinking and attitude. God overlooks it as long as you don't know any better. But that time has passed. The unknown is now known, and he's calling for a radical life change. I read this verse as a high school student, and it made perfect sense. It's like, okay, God's not holding against me that I didn't know better before. But with hearing the truth, 
came accountability. And now I was responsible for what I'd heard and for what I knew. And the unknown had become known, and now he was calling me to a radical life change. You know, there's something in driver's education called PNR, which stands for point of no return. And if you have been in driver's ed recently or had a child who's been in driver's ed, as you're driving in the car and approaching an intersection, the, the student driver is actually supposed to say PNR so that the driving instructor sitting next to them will know that the student driver recognizes that they have hit the point of no return. I mean, this is the time. You have to make a decision. It's either throw on the brakes or you're going to step on the gas, but you can't just kind of waffle your way into the middle of an intersection without making a decision. You have to do one or the other. It's PNR, PNR, point of no return. I've reached the point of no return. And this conversion in my life took place around the time I was in driver's ed, and it just made total sense to me. I get it. PNR. I've heard the truth, and now it's the point of no return. I either go with it or I don't. To not go with it is to go against it. That's super clear. It's one way or the other. And so just like those people on that island of Akrotiri, that village, and that they had moved on for good, it was my time to never go back. Okay, I'm moving out, and I'm not going back. I'm doing something new. I'm stepping into the future with God. And you know what? Decades later, I can tell you, he has never let me down. There have been tough times. We all are going to go through hard times in this life. The difference is we don't go through them alone. God has held me every step of the way. And that's what I want for you. Woodland Church, let's stand together because you're in a divine, defining moment right now. You don't get to choose when you are in a defining moment, but you do get to choose what you do with it. And if you take a little step of faith in a defining moment, it takes you to a whole new level, a whole new level of fulfillment. You come alive. And so I want to ask you, if you've never received Christ into your life and made that first surrender, do that right now. Just pray this prayer out loud. Let's bow our heads. And if I want everyone to pray this prayer so that those who are praying it for the first time, you know, feel more comfortable to pray this prayer. Let's all pray it out loud and surrender to God. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus Christ, I need you. I admit I've sinned like everyone else. So I ask for your forgiveness. I run into the river of surrender. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I need your power. I need your strength. And I accept your free gift of heaven. Thank you for saving me. Now help me grow as a Christian. Thank you for my new direction. Help me never look back. In Jesus' name, amen. Just keep your head bowed right now. And if you prayed that prayer, While no one's looking, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand. You prayed that prayer. This is your time. This is your day. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, see all those hands. Praise God. In the balcony down here, praise God. Praise God. Dear God, I pray for all those who received you right now, that you would just guide them on this new path that's so exciting, so fulfilling. 
and you give them the power to do that. And Lord, I pray for every one of us who are Christ followers that we would take the next step, Lord, because if we ever stop taking steps of faith, we fall back, we fail. But Lord, let those failures turn us to you. And over the next few weeks, Lord, change us. The little things that make a big difference, change us in those things, those things that we're stuck in. Break us free, Lord, as we follow your word because we need you, Lord, so desperately. We need you to knock down walls and break barriers and open up rivers for us to walk through. And I know you're gonna do that in the next few weeks. Thank you for your promises that are always true. Thank you that you'll never fail us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Woodland Church, God will never fail you. He's the firm foundation that'll never let you down. Hey, and by the way, I hope you go out to the Spring Family Festival and enjoy that. It's gonna be amazing. Next weekend, the message is gonna be powerful as we start, really start this series and start with change principle one. How do you get God's power? I want us to sing Woodland Church as our closing song God's not gonna fail you this week. Maybe you came in here stressed out, anxious and worried because you've been trying to carry the burden yourself. You started to try to control everything again. You started to try to play God. It's time for you to give up to him because he says, I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. Do you believe that? Then stand on the firm foundation and let's sing it together. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.